This is ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5. Live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios, here's Fred Fowler and friends. And we're back for the final hour. Very excited about this. My final hour in studio forever until I come back like Jordan wearing 45. (laughs) Uh, Since everybody, nobody ever dies in this business. But uh, Brian Ching in studio with us. And I didn't know it was going to be the last one. Next to last, because the last one's at East End Backyard, which we'll talk about in a second. But uh, I'm very happy you're here, my man. Yeah, thanks for having me, man. It's been a while since I've uh, been on the radio. <laughs> yeah, you know, I remember, I remember you doing a bunch of it back in the day. and uh, you know, But you're, you're kind of important now. <laughs> no, I, the first time I think I was in this room was with um, Ken Hoffman. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and he, <laughs> he had some kind of uh, game show thing going on where I would always lose and... It was once to a scantily, uh, scantily clad. <laughs> oh, it was rigged. <laughs> Sounds like that yeah. Hoffman. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Hoffman always rigged things. Uh, it was fun. It was uh, entertaining. So, well, uh, let's let's start with okay. So tomorrow we're doing the the last show at East End Backyard, which is where I wanted it to be. And uh, you know, you guys had a bunch of success with Pitch Twenty Five, mm-hmm. which is how we met in a sort of unfortunate way. And then uh, I've told the story. It's like I, I, I went after Brian on Twitter, like, which always it's always weird to me that I went after Brian Ching, who I always kind of had a man crush on because he was like this classy ass player. And like, there's this iconic photo of him after the penalty kick and it's, that I put on the front page of the Chronicle. And it's just like I always, always liked the guy. I always thought he was classy. And he was because he, you know, we sat down and. Talked it out, and I realized that I was wrong, and apologized. And guess what? We've hung out a few times since, and I'm, <laughs> I, I really enjoy hanging around with him because he's a fountain of knowledge. And I wanted to get a little soccer because now, here's the thing: since I don't, I don't have to talk Texans anymore or any of that stuff. I want to talk a little soccer because I've kind of gotten into it. And um, one of the things that uh, I wanted to mention first: you were at the Gold Cup final uh, in Vegas. Oh yeah. And what, what was that stadium like, man? I've not been in there yet. I've only seen it from the outside. Uh, but I was just just kind of curious your impressions of the stadium. Yeah, it was like totally high tech. You know, you kind of walk up to it. And it's like this black sheen. I mean, it just looks classy and uh, it looks great. And then, you know, you get in there and they have all the uh, Raiders memorabilia everywhere. And I was actually in one of the suites. Um, and they actually, I've never seen it before, but they have like a cup holder, which was actually uh, cold. So like you put your huh. drink in there, it would like keep your drink cold. Um, then they had like little spots where you could just put your phone and it would charge and things like that. So it was, you know, experience there was great. Um, you know, I think you could have ordered food into the suite too by, uh, I don't know, some, you know, some app or something like that. But, uh, you know, and then, and then the stadium was electric. I mean, the, the sound in there with, uh, <laughs> you know, during the game, uh, was, was, was like, you know, some of the best stadiums that I've been in, um, regarding and. So it was it was a great game, and then US won, which is even better. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I tell you what, I, I was thinking about in game betting. I, I, the number wasn't right. I was going to in game bet on Mexico until uh, at about the sixty eighth minute. It just like, dude, come on. But then I'm like, yeah, you know, and but there wasn't a good enough number. And then right about that seventieth minute, suddenly they start um, they started playing better, and they they quit. They quit just basically turning the ball over for no reason. Yeah. And a hell of a game and a hell of a finish. So I, I wanted to kind of dovetail that into uh, World Cup qualifying. Is is uh, That's coming up. Mm-hmm. Didn't make it last time. And, of course, the A-team really wasn't there for this, uh, for, the, for the Gold Cup. Right. But uh, 
I mean, do you think it's going to be a sweat this this time around, or you think they're getting in? No, I, we're obviously automatically in uh, because we're. Ho- oh no, no, we're no, this hosting. Is, yeah, no, this I'm, is I'm, Qatar. I'm thinking yeah. way ahead. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I get too excited. <laughs> Anyways, no, I, 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 I don't think we'll uh, have a problem getting in this time. I, it'll be interesting to see how some of these young guys go down to Central America and play. Um, it's a different environment down there. Uh, you're, you know, you're playing on fields that aren't the aren't pristine. You know, in atmospheres where you know you're getting stuff thrown at you sometimes. Um, you know, and then your accommodations aren't normally what they are. You know, you got armed security guards. You know, in the lobby or hotel and all that type of stuff. So it's it. If you have never experienced it, um, it could be a little intimidating and, uh, you know, it can affect the players, you know, because then, you know, sometimes like, uh, you know, these countries in Central America, you know, this is like their game, you know, and they, you know, they make it hard on the ref sometimes throwing themselves on the ground, rolling around, trying to get fouls, trying to get under your skin and things like that. So, um, you know, and our team, I think now when you look at our team, not too many of those guys have really truly experienced um those type of conditions i mean a lot of the you know our a class guys are, are playing in europe now where everything's pristine every time you step on the pitch and that's not the case when you go to central america for the qualifying games but everything you know in the states will we should win all our games um hands down and you know that should be enough to get us in and we should get some points down there but it'll be interesting to to see how uh these kids kind of um deal with that um those environments so, what was the worst environment like that that you played in? Um, so, okay, we went to Guatemala, um, and they pretty much shut off the street like a mile to the stadium. <laughs> so, as you're kind of driving the bus down, you know, all these people have been drinking all day. So, they're, like, throwing, you know, their beers at the bus. So like, you know, things are getting there. And then, you know, you get to the field. There's a tracker on the field, but then there's, like, a 20-foot fence with barbed wire on it. And they actually extend the tunnel all the way out to the field, so you can't get hit with batteries or <coughs> pennies or you know, they, they, um, yeah. And then there's you know they have the armed security guards walking like on the track, you know, just making sure nobody comes over the fences and things like that. So, it, you know, and then the lighting's not good at the stadiums. The field's a little bumpy, uh, so that was pretty tough. Um, that was one. And Costa Rica is another tough one, you know, because your your locker room is basically right under their biggest supporter section, so they're jumping up and down like at halftime, pregame. You can't even hear the coach talking because wow. they're making so much noise and things like that. And then, you know, that them too, they have a tunnel all the way out in the field because, um, you know, I've, I've heard of guys getting spit on and um, in the past and things like that. So it's it, you know, it's it's a little intimidating when you kind of go down there and you've never experienced there. You know what to expect because um, it, it's just different. <laughs> uh, when uh, when you look at this team, it seems like there's a lot more guys playing in Bundesliga and uh, uh, Premier League, obviously, than a lot more Americans doing that on this team than we've seen in the past. Is is, is that a fair assessment? Yeah, 100%. I mean, you look at the growth of the American player over the last four years, um, you know, it's 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 been exponential growth. And part of that's because the MLS finally has, uh, you know, every club has a way for you to join the club at, you know, 10 years old and, and then stay with the club all the way through the professional ranks before there was gaps, right? Um, you know, and this has only happened within the past four or five years, you know, and then you, you start to see a lot of European players 
clubs come over here and start trying to cherry pick some of the kids off at younger ages and take them over there when they're 15, 16 years old. Um, you know, and then they, but now I think now we're starting to get more of the best kids, keeping them around, you know, the sports rising in prominence. So you're getting some of the best athletes to start sticking around with the sport. I mean, you know, I, I really believe in the next four to five years with, the, with this group of kids that we have now, and then you add another layer of kids that are 14, 15-year-olds right now uh, on top of these guys. The U.S. is going to be a very good team. I, I read this book, and it just comes down to a numbers game. You know, the more kids you have playing, you know, the more, um, you know, and then you have to have a little bit of the soccer culture, which we're kind of developing in, in, in the country as well. Um, and as that develops more, uh, we have the most kids playing, um, you know, soccer in this country. It's the number one youth sport. It's been the number one youth sport for a long, long time uh, in our country. So, you know, we are going to be a powerhouse when it comes to soccer at some point. You know, I, I look at some of the best clubs or the best countries around the world, Brazil, right? They have more bigger population than all these other countries. So they're getting, you know, their best athletes playing. And that's why they've, you know, been so successful, I think. You know, when when you look at uh, all the other countries, you know, just it comes to, it comes to a numbers game, and then having a little bit of a culture there really, um, you know, leads to to success. And you know, we're we're, we're kind of taking those steps now. And I think in the next four years, when the World Cups in twenty twenty six in the United States, uh, you're gonna see. You know, I wouldn't say we're gonna be a favorite to win it, but we're gonna be. Uh, a very very solid team and expected to go pretty far. Yeah, I, I listened to Glenn Davis say that, and he, he always says twenty twenty six in the home country is what they're aiming for. It is kind of a cool setup that it's going to be Canada, Mexico, and the U S. All, all hosting that World Cup. I'm looking forward. To, I hope I, I hope I live that long. <laughs> yeah. You'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if it depends, depends on how many nights I spend at the East End backyard, but uh, uh, I, I wanted to, I want to get to the Dynamo if you could hang around for one yeah, more segment after this. But I wanted to ask I wanted to ask you something about near the end of your career, mm-hmm. where uh, you were in an expansion draft and drafted by Montreal. Yeah, and what spent two months there before they traded you back? Was it uh, yeah. the, was, the Dynamo wanted you back or they wanted rid of you? <laughs> it was uh, it was interesting, right? So you know, there's a there's a huge story on the, on that. Um, but basically, you know, the Dynamo thought I was. You know, I've only had a year or two left in my career. Uh, I was making good money at the time, you know, and they really didn't feel. And I had a conversation with Dom, the coach at the time, and he's like, look, you know, we're not going to protect you. We don't think they'll take you because of these reasons. And I was like, yeah, it kind of makes sense. You know, I, you know, I don't think they will either. Um, plus the coach for Montreal at the time, him and I just used to get into it on the field all the time. So I thought he always, like, I thought he hated me as a player, right? Just the way I played and things like that. Um, and so I was like, all right, you know, probably probably not going to take me. And then the guy calls me, right? So we basically lose the MLS Cup, you know, on, on a Saturday. Dom tells me on a Sunday, leave you unprotected. Then come Monday or Tuesday, I get drafted, right, to, to Montreal, you know. And, well, I had a conversation with the coach. I was like, don't draft me, like. Like, I, I don't like you. You don't like me. We've, we've made that clear. Um, I don't want to go because the Dynamo is going to open up their stadium. The 2012 was when we opened our stadium here. So yeah. it was like I wanted to be here for that, right? I was like, I think there was only me and Brad Davis, really, from the original team that, that right. were carried over. So it was, it was a big deal for me to, to want to be back. And then, you know, and so I was like, you know, I made Rastish, you know, 
things and said, oh, I'll probably retire if they pick me or whatever. Um, trying to get them not to pick me, and then they picked me, obviously. And then I was like, you know what? I still have a year or two left to play, and, you know, I want to. Maybe they'll work it out. So I went up there, you know, and, and for preseason. And they didn't, look, they didn't contact me the entire time. From the time they drafted me till like, two days before I was supposed to be in camp. And they're like, all right, you know, we got your flight. And I'm like, all right, what? you know. And then so when I got in, the coach was like, hey, can I meet you? And I was like, yes. And I was like, well, you know what? I, I told you everything before you drafted me. I don't have really anything to say. So, like, I'll come in. I'm going to be ultimate professional. I'll be good with the guys. You know, there's, you know, they don't deserve um, me coming in being disruptive. So I went in and I said, hey, look, none of your coaching staff talked to me outside of soccer right position or whatever whatever you need me to do and let's just leave it at that and so you know i, I went and i guess maybe i showed my age in preseason they're like yeah maybe we better get rid of this guy. <laughs> but you got to come back to the dynamo which so i cool. gotta come back but i you know i tried uh, i worked hard and, and did everything and um uh you know enjoyed the experience now that i look back on it but uh yeah it was it was a it was really important for me to to want to be here in 2012 for that opening of that stadium. Yeah, you know, I, was, I was fortunate it worked out. Montreal's a cool city, but it's not uh, Hawaii. Either, so. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely not Hawaii or Houston. So, <laughs> All right, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back, and uh, I want to ask Brian Ching about uh, new Dynamo ownership. Don't go anywhere. This is ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5. Live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios, here's Fred and Friends. And we're back. And for those of you on Twitch, you got to hear uh, Patrick Regalis with a Montreal story. <laughs> Probably best that it was on Twitch. Um, before we get back to Brian, Raving Plumber asking a uh, Falcon Heavy update, Fred. It, it should be ready very soon. I, I tested it last week. And uh, here, here's a little secret. We're going to work to make sure that one one of the kegs that actually goes out goes to East End Backyard, just, just so you guys know. <laughs> All right, so... Um, uh, I wanted to ask you about this new because I know you've been involved off and on with the franchise pretty much um, since you since you retired and, and before that obviously when you were playing here but uh, kind of a kind of a bleak stretch here and it, it did seem like there wasn't the the commitment to to try to turn this thing around. How do you feel about the new owner? Do you do you think he's uh, he certainly talks a good game? Right? <laughs> He does, and uh, you know, I got to meet him once um, before they announced it, and uh, you know, sat and chat with him for a bit. And you know, I think everything I've seen so far um, gets me excited. Uh, he, he's a guy, young guy. He's motivated, likes soccer. His kids love soccer. Um, you know, I think he has deep pockets, um, and you know, I, I think he's he's already in the process of of um, you know making changes uh, in a lot of different ways. You know, I think, you know, the practice facility needed to be upgraded a little bit, and he, he was okay. He was like, all right, what do you need? Let's do that. You know, so I, I – and then he came in, and, you know, he's he's obviously making a splash, getting on the World Cup bid committee, um, you know, 
donating to charities, the Dynamo Charities already. He's on the board of that. And so um, yeah, I'm excited, you know, and I'm really excited because obviously I, I really like, I've been able to sit down with Tab Ramos, um, you know, the coach and talk with him about, you know, his, his game plan for, for the team. And I think he, you know, it, to turn a franchise around, it takes a lot, yeah. right? And I think he has a good game plan, and he's starting to execute on that. And I'm excited about that. And I think you know the combination of of you know the owner hopefully, um, you know, believes in Tab as much as I do. And um, you know, I, I think you know having an owner willing to put some money into the um, franchise is uh, you know only going to help us out. You know, it can't get any worse. <laughs> <laughs> Well, but I think we're on the upswing, put it that way. And uh, from the results I've been seeing from the team, um, you know, a, a Tab's plan is is, is slowly ma- uh, materializing. Yeah, I, I I haven't met him, but I look, you know, I hear him all the time on Glenn's show, and it seems like he gets it, you know, and he realizes what he's up against here a little bit and that, and that he's got a plan for it. And and I, I tell people all the time because yeah, people – will say, hey, well, look how, how popular it is in Austin and look like Portland, what Portland is. Like, well, Portland doesn't have anything else. But people forget when you guys first got here, it was very much like that here. I mean, it, it was nuts. You guys were selling that game, especially in the playoffs. But, I mean, there was a huge fan base, and it just seems like it kind of let that trickle away here. Yeah, it did. It was difficult, you know, and there was a lot of little missteps along the way that kind of led to, you know, the state of affairs as it is now. But, you know, when you look at all these new franchises, they have two to three years of planning, you know, and then, you know, they have the MLS who helps them with the best practices from all the other teams coming into the league. So, they're, I mean, they're full-on prepared from, you know, that you know, from when they uh, announced they're getting a franchise to the time they start uh, their first game. So, yeah, they build up all this. They build the excitement. They they build the fan bases the right way. You know, when when you think about us in 2006, we were like, Boom! Phone call in December. You're here in you know February, right? And, um, you know we had maybe two or three employees actually come with the team that you know front office side, and Oliver Luck had to build everything, and we're playing at you know a stadium that's not ours, and so you know, and then you know we weren't getting as much investment into the team and 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 all that, and so you know it was years and years of that that go on, and and then. You know, I, I think we set the bar pretty high, and then once the you know the, once the team wasn't winning as much as they were, then you know obviously I think you know that that hurt a lot. And so, you know, hopefully, you know, um, John uh, can you know kind of get us back on track with the plan uh, of of building that out. You know, obviously, I think a lot of it stems from the team winning first. So I think yeah. you know it's easy. You know, you look at the Astros for a long time, right? It took them a while to kind of really build uh, a winning team. And once they build that winning team, I mean, everybody came flocking back. So I think, you know, if, we, if, if Tab can, you know, you know, you need a little bit of luck, but you also need, you know, that planning and that um, forethought into, you know, a plan. And I, I think Tab has that. And if he can get enough time, I think, you know, I think he can build something pretty special here again. And once we start winning, hopefully, you know, we can kind of, capitalize that and and be ready for when that when the fans come back and uh in a big way you know that's something that i I don't think people realize when you guys got relocated how fast that happened that that had to i mean that had to be 
pretty stressful considering you got a nice life in California and all of a sudden it's like, I got to go to Houston. What the hell? Oh yeah. It was, you know, that phone call was, it was, it was middle of December. I remember, you know, I get on a phone call and literally I was like, Oh wow. I don't know anything about Houston. I started looking at houses in Galveston. I was like, Oh, is there by the ocean? I love the ocean. And then I started looking at houses. I'm like, why is everything on stilts? And why is the water brown? And I was like, it's only a 45 minute drive, you know, like, without traffic and so you know that's that's as much as i knew about houston at the time um pretty much nothing and then um you know so it, it the hard thing too was like we're not million, we weren't millionaires right? right so like a lot of the guys their families their wives were working or the kids are still in school some of you guys were working jobs on the, in the off season <laughs> yeah, we had some yeah. guys yeah that had to to do that as well and so you know, I, it, that that first year was really tough um, when you look at a lot of, you know, and, and that for me is probably one of the most proud I am of a season or my favorite season when you look at it from all the adversity you have to deal with moving the franchises, families, this and that, to being able to kind of keep things together on the field and, uh, you know, winning because there have been so many excuses not to be successful that year and, you know, it would have been okay, but, um, you know, for us to kind of pull it together and, you know, and then deal with all the heat here. Right? Yeah. Oh my goodness! Yeah, a little, I, little that, weather change. That there. first, that first year, like our primetime games were like at four o'clock uh, Eastern time. So we were playing at three o'clock, literally at Robertson in August. Yeah, right. Which is, I mean, <laughs> terrible. <laughs> I mean, the worst, the worst conditions. Uh, um, but uh, you know, I, like I said, I mean, that, it was it was really a tough move, um, just because like. Um, you know, it was hard on hard on the families and hard on the guys, and then just getting used to it. So, but you know, it worked out, and uh, you know, we we fought through, which was which was great. Yeah, and, and yeah, you had a terrific career. And at one point, I mean, you and you and Dwayne were as big a stars as anybody in this city after those first two uh, titles, and uh, um, you know, and then they shipped him home. But uh, what was it like playing with that with that group when you guys were yeah. winning? I mean, it it really seemed like the not only was there great chemistry, but it was like like that clutch gene. You know, one of you guys would come up with that play late. Yeah, I mean, you, uh, you look at like you know, I could kind of look at the Astros now, right? They have a good core group of guys that yeah. are, that they can build a team around. That those core guys, I'm sure, control the mentality of the team, right? And and so we had that. And you know, before we moved to Houston in 2005, we had the best record in the league. Um, I don't think a lot of people knew that, but so. Houston inherited a really good team. And so, um, you know, a lot of those those guys, uh, you know, came with the team, you know, and, and really policed the team in a lot of ways. And then Dom was a, you know, man manager um, and really good at it. And so, you know, kind of rode that core group of guys probably, you know, through 2008, um, you know, for the first three years that, that we were here. Uh, and then, you know, guys age and things move on and so it was it was harder to keep that uh, the core group together all right one thing I, I always wanted to ask somebody who was who was good at this sport on penalty kicks it, it just seems like man the goalie is so up against it on those things he's got to guess right and then you yeah. kind of got to make a mistake but then we saw it with uh, England you know three guys missed there at the end oh yeah Felt bad for those guys. They were young kids. Yeah, yeah. They and, were and they young. Brought in two of them just for the just for that. And <laughs> yeah, I felt I have so many friends who are big England fans, and I I, I felt terrible. But uh, um, they would. It, 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 it's not as easy as those guys make it look. But what's 
What's the strategy? What what, what is it? You, what are you going to a mindset thinking? I just got to get this guy to fall the wrong way. Yeah, you're just like okay. You know, there's there's different strategies, right? Some guys are just like, all right, I know my corner. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna stick to it. Uh, and that was kind of my strategy in there. It was just like don't don't rock the boat. You know, you practice all. You know, you we practice like all week. You know, leading up to our our big final uh, in 2006, and we actually were in penalty kicks, and so it was just like. You know, that's the longest walk from that midfield line <laughs> to to pick up the ball and put it down. Uh, there's a lot of pressure. Uh, you know, I, I, there's been a couple of games um, where you know, obviously, I made 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 the big one in 2006, but I've missed a couple um, in, in some other tournaments that we were in. So, uh, you know, you're, you're telling yourself, just make it, just make it, just make it. You know, and it's it's just such a big relief when you watch it. The guys are just relieved that they made it because you know the, the pressure's not really on the goalkeeper. No one expects the goalkeeper to save anything. To be right. honest, right? It's it's all you know focused on 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 the guy kicking the ball. Um, so there, it's huge pressure, and it's hard to really, you know, if you've never really experienced it, to know how much press or pressure and stress um you know you put on yourself a lot of times so it's uh you know one of the things that uh you know when we did in 2006 we had uh Stu holden who um you know from houston uh commentating now but was played on the national team was a big part of the dynamo for a long time as well but uh he was i think 18 or 19 at the time and he was like one of our best penalty kick takers he he loved the gamble, so he always was <laughs> under pressure. I right? put himself under pressure, and he, he and the coach put him in the game specifically for to take a penalty kick. And he was the, like the youngest guy on the team. So, and then he he stepped up and he smashed probably the best penalty kick out of all ten that were taken. <laughs> uh, and do you are you okay with games ending that way? When because I, I mean I, I I've always said the soccer players got to be marathon athletes yeah. uh, because you have to, if, especially if you're out there for all 90 minutes plus stoppage time and then extra time. Uh, and then, I mean, it, at some point, do you feel like, you know what, we, we need to settle this this way or, or would you prefer to just play until somebody scores? No, I, I think you have to end it at some point. You know, I, is it the best way? I, I don't know. Um, but, you know, I think it's, I've, I've grown to like it. Um, in a lot of ways, I mean, because there's a lot of pressure yeah. and a lot of tense, you know, moments uh, in in penalty kick shootouts, and I think that you know that you know fans kind of enjoy, you know, you kind of enjoy that a little bit because um, you know you, you you know you get your feelings and your emotions into it. So I, you know, I, I don't see another way, you know, yeah. um, to to end the game. You know, I you wouldn't want to see guys out there, you know, playing two hours, three hours, yeah. you know, just trying to as, as a not fan, make a mistake. As know? a fan, it's great drama, though. I mean, well, I, I love drama. watching them. Huge drama, so. right? And then it puts a lot of pressure on, like I said, the, those guys too. I mean, that's the, that's the loneliest walk walking from midfield <laughs> to the penalty spot. There's lots to think about in that. that <laughs> Yeah, I bet. Ten second walk, and uh, man, I said that those poor guys from England. You could just you could see it on the last guy's face. You know, it's just like uh, oh, oh, and oh, for sure, hundred percent. Those are young guys, and you yeah. put them in a big, big situation like that. And then you know, obviously, I think they have terrible. You know, some rowdy fans in England. And, yeah, you know, they kind of rolled those guys um, pretty hard after the fact. Unfortunately, well, you know that's that. 
it's one thing about soccer fans. They're so passionate. Sometimes that turns into bad stuff. <laughs> and, you know, it's there were also a lot of people who came to their defense, too. And, and yeah. you know, and that was, that's the kind of thing you like to see. But, yeah, that, I, I hated that. Um, all right, guys, I got to tell you, if you've got a vehicle sitting out there that you're not using anymore, uh, how about this? Just donate it. Could be any kind of vehicle, car, motorcycle, truck, and maybe you're going to fix it up and you just let it sit there and you didn't do anything and now it won't start. Now you don't know what to do with it. Well, donate it to carsforkids.org. Give them a call, 713-225-4226, or just go to carsforkids.org. And here's what's going to happen. You're going to donate your vehicle. You're going to mention ESPN Houston. You're going to get a $50 Visa gift card as a thank you for your donation. The pickup is free. You get a tax write-off because that money goes to help kids at the Houston Can Academies. And these are all kids that are in school here locally, and they deserve a second chance at their diploma, and that's where your donation is going to go. So go to carsforkids.org or give them a call, 713-225-4226. Oh, you don't have a title? Oh, that's okay. Guess what? They'll do the title work for you including search and transfer. So go to the website today, carsforkids.org, or give them a call, 713-225-4226. That's Cars for Kids, right off the car, not the kid. ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5. Real fun sports. This is ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5. Live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios, here's Fred Bauer and friends. All right, we're back. Brian Ching sitting in with us. Patrick Creighton, Aaron Rabold. Kind of went Brian in the last hour because I knew Patrick was doing six hours of radio today and, and would probably be calming down, but no, he's not. He's still going. <laughs> he's a beast. So uh, go ahead and... Uh, and I, I th- what I kind of want to dovetail his question that he asked on, well, it wasn't on Twitch because we we're talking about something else first. So, uh, about kind of how your path, were you one of, when, when you were a little kid, were you like the one that was just running circles around everybody and scoring eight goals? <laughs> I was definitely more athletic than, than, than most kids. Um, but yeah, as far as soccer, I, I didn't know anything about it. It wasn't like I grew up dreaming of becoming a professional soccer player. It was more like I wanted to be a professional surfer. <laughs> Growing yeah. up in Hawaii, I definitely failed at that, but... <laughs> Um, you know, my mom was like, Hey, you know, I want you to play sports. We're like what? She's like soccer. I was like, all right, well maybe if you coach, I'll play. So, I mean, <laughs> that's how I got into it. And then I was just more athletic. So I enjoyed it, um, more than anybody else. But, you know, and then it was, you know, I just kind of continued playing it cause I enjoyed it and was pretty good at it. And, uh, so my mom's like, Hey, you want to go to college? You got to, you know, try to help me get a scholarship. And I was like, okay, well, what am I good at? And I was like, okay, I'm soccer, you know? So I'll try, um, and so that's when I really dedicated, like, I would go to school. I would always get to school an hour early. And, you know, instead of doing homework or playing cards, I brought a soccer ball. And I started doing that and consistently created this good habit. And so, you know, MLS didn't even start till 96 when I graduated from high school. So it was more about, okay, how do I use this to get a college degree? And then when I went to college, that's when the league started up. Um, you know, 
just kept training on my own, doing the right things. And, you know, it was like my junior year. I got invited to go down and train with the Galaxy for a summer. You know, a lot, a lot of the pro teams at the time would invite college kids in for the summer just to kind of train with the team to kind of see if they're up to snuff. And I had a great couple of weeks. And so um, once I was ready to graduate, the coach was like, hey, you know, I'm going to draft you, so don't sign up for the draft. Uh, or don't uh, come to the combine, basically, where we would always come and, like, they would take the top kids from college and they would play and all the coaches would watch them there. But he was like, don't go to that and we'll draft you. And so I got drafted. Uh, so it was pretty lucky <laughs> in a lot of well, ways, it's, but it's, you create your own luck. It's, right? Yeah, but that's that's amazing because you, you didn't have the kind of youth programs that you have now. It doesn't sound like you didn't have those those kind of opportunities and had to kind of do it on your own. Yeah, and it was, yeah. to be honest, I mean, I look at – look reflect on the path that I took and it's it's pretty amazing that I actually made it <laughs> because you know not coming from a soccer background Hawaii is a small market um you know not known for soccer I didn't even know about European soccer I never watched a lot of soccer until I got to college when my coach was a Man U fan so I started watching a lot of soccer then so I mean my development is really really late um you know nowadays you know these kids are probably I've probably played more soccer by the time they're 15 than I did through my college years um, uh, of, of playing. And so, um, you know, it was just it was a different time. And, uh, you know, now would I have made it? I, I don't know. <laughs> you know, maybe not. But, um, yeah, I was pretty happy. I, you know, I credit a lot of it just to work ethic and, um, you know, getting in and training more than, than most people and, and consistently doing that. I, I think you had a lot of foresight to to jump in with pitch twenty five, and now you stand backyard. And, and, uh, and I know some of the guys uh, that you know they really want to help revitalize that, that East Downtown area. And, and I think you guys are in a great spot with this. But how, how did the how did the idea for backyard come together? I mean, because just I love the idea of a huge dog park and then this huge stage where you can have concerts. And we we were there Cinco de Mayo, and it was just amazing. And how that how that idea come out? Yeah, I mean, it wasn't – so my buddy owned the, owned the property and had a couple, bunch of falling-down rental houses on it. And it was like, ah, I really don't want to be a slumlord. So he's like, Brian, do you, do you, want, you want to do something? I was like, all right, you know. So um, really became, you know, one of my best friends now is the guy that owns the land. So, you know, I try to mitigate as many risks as I can getting into these things. And so, um, you know, we, we were just like, all right, we're going to convert this little thing um, – well, the, the, I, the whole idea, the whole concept, we're just in the beginning phases of the whole build-out, but it's to eventually put in a bunch of food places around that all surround into this backyard. And then, you know, um, you know, hopefully we're, gonna, we're in the process of buying a you know, 9-foot by 12-foot TV to have out there permanently. Um, so, you know, the idea was just to kind of, you know, remodel one of the houses turn it into the little bar like we did and then you know kind of covid hit and we're like oh okay we probably need some outdoor space <laughs> and so we you know we knocked down all the other houses put the dog park in there and we really wanted to be a family uh, not family but like a neighborhood bar yeah. um and uh, you know i think we've done that problem is this year it's rained more than gosh i feel like it rained every single day which which crushes us because yeah, you know we don't really have any cover out there, but you know I think we'll eventually build something out there to to to, to have cover. Um, but um, you know I I think COVID really kind of caused us to build out the outdoor space a lot quicker than we we probably would have. Um, and you know I, I we love it, you know, and I think you know I can't wait to kind of um, 
kind of grow the concept uh, a, a bit more. Important things we just learned about Brian here, right? Dynamo legend, Houston entrepreneur, not Leona Helmsley. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I've mentioned on air several times. It's become my favorite place to go. It is an, an, it's a perfect neighborhood bar, and, and I know you guys have big plans for the whole area, and I can't wait to see it all come together and, and wish you nothing but the best in that, man. I appreciate it, Fred. And, Thanks. And I can't be more happy to do one last show and do it there. And, uh, yeah, I, I promise you it's probably not going to be great to listen to if you're just driving around. But if you're there in person, it's going to be epic. So, uh, uh, you know, basically, we're, we're at the mercy of the weather a little bit. But that's, you know, that's just how it is. That's where I want it to be. So, there. All right. Uh, I got to tell you about my man, Dr. Linville. And, guys, you've been thinking about you, know, you start looking at that hairline and you go, oh, man, I don't know about this. I'm starting to lose my hair. Well, go see Dr. Linville. And, guys, this isn't hair plugs. This isn't some wig. This isn't some, some trick. This, this is not the work of gypsies. This is called the Neograph procedure. Basically, he takes the hair that's on the back of your head, and he puts it where you don't have it. And it looks natural because it's your real hair. And uh, all he's doing is moving hair around. It's that simple. And he can redraw your hairline. And, and man, I went through the process. I actually came to work that day. That probably wasn't the smartest idea. But you can be back at work the next day. And if you go to 975hair.com, get your free consultation. And uh, when you're getting that consultation, take a look at his hair because he had it done too, and his hair looks fantastic. And uh, now's the time to do it, guys. Don't don't wait because uh, especially if you're a younger guy and you're already losing it, man, get, get it done now because people won't notice and you're going to feel better about yourself. 975hair.com. Get your hair back today, 975hair.com. This is ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5. Live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios, here's Fred and Friends. And we're back. I was going to do one more Falcon on Famous People, but we pretty much did the whole show on stuff like that. I was going to tell you that James Gunn wants to do some DC spinoffs, that the Marvel cartoon might give away who the villain is in Doctor Strange. Uh, Ryan Reynolds talked about Deadpool 3, and uh, Bill Murray thought about killing himself. That was was going to be your Falcon on Famous People. So, uh, but... We did a bunch of nonsense today, which I kind of warned you was coming. That's what we're going to do. And uh, we're just talking to talking with Brian about what the plans are for, for East End Backyard. But uh, uh, Pitch 25 is really thriving. And, and, man, I drove by there for the uh, uh, when in for the England-Italy final. And uh, people lined up, man. That was like, wow. Yeah, yeah. pretty fortunate uh, pitch there just to, to have the following that we do. Um, but, you know, I think – one of my favorite things about pitch is just the amount of, you know, for, especially for these, you know, big tournaments. Just, yeah. Just the amount of diversity that comes in and out of there for, you know, the Colombians, Brazilians, you know, we got the English, we got the French to come out. 
um you know it's just really reflective of the city and um it, it's pretty cool to 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 see and be able to create something like that so you know i appreciate everybody that does come out and uh supports supports us and you know hopefully you guys uh really enjoy their experiences there and uh, make sure you come out tomorrow to east in backyard and like i said uh, the weather is going to be what it is it's going to be warm so dress accordingly uh if, if it winds up raining we'll We'll move the show inside, and you guys can listen in your car. Uh, but hopefully, it'll all be cool. And and man, we've had we, we watched the the final there. You guys had the big TV out there, and it was it, it's nice. We've seen some bands there, um, and, and it's it's always a good experience. And uh, they, they did feel bad one day. We were watching this young lady who was singing, and she was kind of a folk singer. And of course, that's when a train decides to go by. <laughs> it's kind of like, oh we, man! We should probably have some specials, right? When the trains come by, yeah. but you know, there's two train tracks. I mean, between the metro and the train, she's yeah. Uh, we'd, we'd be running specials 24 seven, I think. <laughs> yeah, so you know, she might need to mix in some electric next time, and that'll, that'll cover it up. But uh, yeah, and and, and uh, we're gonna the band I'm putting together. We're gonna play a show out there at some point here in the fall. Awesome, and that'll be uh, that'll be fun. But uh, yeah, it, it's it's just a neat setup, and and hopefully you guys will enjoy it tomorrow. And Jerry Bo will be doing the show with me, so we'll probably talk gambling and alcohol the whole time. Probably be like today. <laughs> Patrick and I got into '80s music and stuff like that today. And uh, yeah, since I, I'm much better at '80s music than I am at uh, gambling, so <laughs> you're about to be part of a gambling fight. You might not want to tell the people that. <laughs> I, must, I must have missed out in that '80s. I, I remember uh, my mom would always drop me off in my. Uh, the babysitters and every morning from like five o'clock to about six thirty was VH1 on TV. So I got George Michael and Madonna burned in my brain at a young age. So. Uh, Cindy Lauper probably yeah. was around there. Yeah, I was one of the I guess geeky nerdy people. I loved pop up video and all the little the little factoids they'd throw in in the middle of the video. I used to love watching pop up video. <laughs> Yeah, you tell people this now, like, what, what videos? Yeah, there's no such thing anymore. <laughs> All right, bro, something that you said earlier. Where the hell do you get a 9-foot by 12-foot television? <laughs> you get everything on the internet now. <laughs> no, yeah. Yeah, basically, you know, I had an audio-visual guy, and um, we're, we've been renting his, but uh, we just looked online, and, you know, we – we went uh, and put a down payment on on one that we found online. Uh, it's LED site, and you know everything's backed up now, though, so we're not going to get it until like September, I think, um, because of all the chips, you know, the chip shortage or whatever. I think uh, you know we're getting it from. Uh, I think it's coming in from China. This is a bucket list thing for me. One day. I want to own a TV that's as big as the entire wall in my house. Like one day, that is a bucket list item for me now. For sure. I think a lot of, I mean, it's a big thing now. A lot of bars are actually starting to put them in, um, you know, because they're, you know, people want to be outdoors and, and, and experience that. Um, so, you know, we, we uh, you know, when we put it up, I mean, it's, it's pretty, it's, it's massive. You have your own Jumbotron. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty sweet. Um, so, you know, hopefully we'll get, we'll get that and we'll get the sporting events out there. We'll do movie nights, um, you know, because it'd be pretty, pretty cool. That that's awesome! I want to have a jumbo drum. I want, I want a karaoke night. I'm just throwing that out there. Uh, car- yeah. Not 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 that, there, not that there needs to be another night that I go to your place. <laughs> well, well, hey, if you have karaoke night with the big giant screen, the words will be big enough for Fred to be able to read them. So mm-hmm. there you go. She, uh, 
I'll definitely never get up there because you know you're bad when your own mom goes, yeah, yeah. Leave the singing to your brothers. <laughs> like, yeah, we were, okay, fair mom. <laughs> we were talking, about, talking about this earlier when I was uh, in, in my my musician stage. That as long, I mean, like I'd always have to have a few drinks. And like, when I do karaoke, I always have a few drinks. Helps me relax. But then there's that line where it goes from a few drinks to I can barely stand up, and I've been <laughs> I've been booed off the stage before for things like that, but. Uh, you know what though? It, it's makes for a good story. It does. It does. <laughs> All right. Well, we're running out of time, boys. We'll be uh, doing. Uh, have you watched that Ted Lasso yet? As a soccer guy? Oh, I've been binging it the past <laughs> like this week. I've been binging the whole thing. Getting on season two. Surprisingly fun show. Oh, it's, it's funny. They're just all likable people. <laughs> they really are. Sure. All right. So uh, that's going to wrap it up. Uh, so tomorrow, East End Backyard. See over under on when I'm no longer functional. I'm gonna go with maybe six forty seven. Anybody have to carry me the last segment? Five thirty eight. <laughs> well, it depends what time I get there because I'll I'll come for some of your guys' show. If I start drinking, then I probably push it. You know what? I'm gonna just, I'm gonna just set it right now. Five thirty. Halfway through the show. Does, does Jerry know? Like, do we have to prep him on this ahead of time? Jerry's going to be right there with me. You know? <laughs> no, I mean, like, does he need to be prepared? Oh, by the way, the last 90 minutes, you're on your own. <laughs> oh, you, you'll be there. <laughs> we'll just pull you out of the bullpen. <laughs> All right, man, that's going to wrap it up. Brian Ching, thank you so much for uh, coming in. It was a blast. Aaron, you, you did okay today. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to uh, miss your B-plus efforts. I'm just kidding. Love, Aaron. Patrick, minus. thank you so much uh, for uh, doing this today. I know you had other plans, but I want uh, I wanted to make sure I got to do one more show with you and one more show with Jerry. So I uh, appreciate you doing it, brother. Well, I appreciate you having me, and uh, I'll be warming up at the bullpen tomorrow. <laughs> All right. Well, you get to hear this two more times. Till tomorrow, stay sports, you bitches. SPN 97.5.